the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson, and we have uh, pretty much an open hour for you. I'll give you the number 602 Anything on your mind, uh, feel free to give us a call. I'm monitoring a, or watching a, a few different things. Um, the World Economic Forum in Davos, of course, you know, uh, Al Gore still around. Did you know that he's he's there uh, just so we don't uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you just you thank your lucky stars in who we did get versus uh, who we didn't get. Uh, little Al Gore here for you. Enough already. Enough. And I don't want to get sidetracked on to what needs to happen, but we need to scale up climate finance, but we need desperately to scale down anti-climate finance. And we are still subsidizing the burning of fossil fuels globally at a rate 42 times larger than the subsidies for the shift toward renewables and EVs, uh, etc. We need new leadership at the World Bank. We need them to uh, scale up the leverage and vastly increase the amounts that are, are committed. And we need to rein in the anti-climate activities of the fossil industry. It's really, uh, we lo- thank our lucky stars. Uh, Dennis Prager used to say that, um, that uh, you know, he prayed daily uh, for the Queen of England's life because he feared what would happen if Charles became king. So far, we're okay, but I understood the point because of the menacing stuff that Charles was involved in when he was prince. He seems to have aged into some form of a little bit more relaxation than than his activist days. But my gosh, I mean, you know, you you, you think who is making the point today? Al Gore is actually six years younger than Joe Biden. And uh, someone was making the point he's six years younger than Joe Biden. Why didn't the Democrats dust him off? He had the same problems Joe Biden did. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yet you probably you probably would have had at least a little bit more articulateness. I was worried yesterday with a few of you on uh, who had called in that the story about the documents, uh, what, what I call Corvigate or what a lot of you are calling GarageGate, I suppose, or DocuGate, um, I, I'm worried about uh, the the lack of the attention span here. I'm worried that we are going to move on to something else very quickly and this will be forgotten. And because of the frenzy that the media likes to keep us in, you know, frenzy is, I think, the word I've settled on for it, where we jump from lily pad to lily pad. The left likes us in a frenzy. They want us in a frenzy because we can't focus on any one big problem. Uh, For example, uh, right now, having to deal with this immense education and child mental health issue that we have to deal with uh, people still trying to uh, still trying to engage us in 
frenzy over the COVID panic. But also the thing about frenzy and frenetic attitudes or thoughts is there's no accountability. No one wants to actually do anything about it. There's no accountability for the actual consequences of our political and social malfeasance. Tom Sowell, the great scholar Tom Sowell, once wrote, quote, It's hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. And yet, here we are, aren't we? Uh, More and more is coming out about Anthony Fauci and his conflicts of interest. Amazing to me how there was no interest in this except from precincts on the conservative side. No interest in this um, from the general media class during when he was working for Donald Trump or when he was working for Joe Biden. Joe Biden himself is an example of no accountability for being wrong, paying no price for being wrong. You think about his record, even before he obtained the presidency, uh, he was opposed to the first Gulf War. That was the liberation of Kuwait from Iraq. That was the successful one. That's the one he opposed. He backed the second one, the one most of us now uh, consider as stunningly unsuccessful. He supported the nuclear freeze uh, against the notions of Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. He opposed supporting the anti-communists in Central America. He opposed missile defense. He opposed the killing of Osama bin Laden. Do people remember that? He bragged about that at one point. And I guess you can brag about that sort of thing if, as Thomas Sowell says, you know you live in a world where there is no price for being wrong. So it comes as probably somewhat stunning to him and his White House that there was such a voracious appetite by the reporters at CNN and CBS over this document story for the last couple of days. And of course, the speculation, as we've all discussed, has been this is an effort to move Joe Biden to the side, to sideline him and marginalize him and weaken weaken him within the party uh, so that he is uh, is will think twice about running for president again in 2024. There's no other way to get him out because his own ego will get in the way thinking he's capable. I mean, why not? His wife and others around him probably keep telling him he's capable when we all know well and good that he is not capable. And maybe that's what the media is trying to do. I have another thought that I would add to it. Um, if you've been watching any of the uh, press conferences with Karin Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, uh, you may you may just get the view that maybe it's not Joe Biden they want out of the way. Maybe it's her. Maybe it's Karin Jean-Pierre that they want out of the way. She is perhaps the most incompetent press secretary and certainly not up for the job here. Um, and and maybe that's what CNN and CBS and those and that ilk is after getting someone who can better outsource the rhetoric of what the Biden administration is doing. Scott Johnson writes over at Power Line that lying well is the best revenge. The Biden administration observed the MLK Day holiday by refraining from disclosure of any facts concerning the classified documents discovered in Biden's possession in locations including the garage of his Wilmington residence. Actually, every day has been a holiday in this sense since the leak letting the world know how irresponsible Biden has been to borrow his judgment on President Trump. Last week, we learned that Biden had retained classified documents in his phony baloney Penn Biden office and at his Wilmington 
residents. We don't know. This is so interesting. We don't know what the documents contain or what they were doing there. We only know he shouldn't have had them in his possession. We await the kind of photographic spread the Department of Justice laid out for public consumption in the Trump case. We know the documents were discovered by Biden's lawyers, or so they have told us. Indeed, we only know what Biden's lawyers have told us. We don't know how his lawyers happened to discover the documents or what they were looking for. We don't know why they all kept the discovery secret until the leak let the cat out of the bag. Uh, Biden tells us he takes classified documents very seriously. In other words, we don't know anything except that he has lied about this. That's all we know. That's all we know is he has lied about this. Late last week, uh, Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to keep a lid on the matter. Now, everyone who knows anything can cite the special counsel investigation to justify his or her silence. Think about that for a moment. Maybe Merrick Garland wasn't doing this because he felt he had to as a matter of law. Maybe he was doing it so that Karen Jean-Pierre and Joe Biden could continually say we can't respond to these questions. It's in the hands of the special counsel. Well, let me tell you one thing here. Just because there's a special counsel investigation going on does not mean the House cannot investigate any of this as much as it wants to. As Andy McCarthy was saying earlier today, consider the January 6th committee, the Department of Justice, the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office were investigating between 800 and 900 different different individuals from January 6th. It didn't stop the January 6th committee from doing its work on primetime national television. The House of Representatives has just as much mandate to go after this as anyone, even with the appointment of a special prosecutor. And I'll tell you one other thing. Joe Biden can talk about this. Just the Just because a special prosecutor has been appointed doesn't mean that Joe Biden is forbidden from talking about this. Now, his lawyers will probably tell him it's not wise to talk about it and try and defer and wave it off as much as you can. But there is no legal bar from Joe Biden talking about this. And I don't want the media to be confused about that or take that line of defense seriously if he says i can't talk this was like when bill clinton's case was in front of a grand jury bill clinton would say he can't i can't talk about this it's in front of a grand jury it does not apply it does not apply to the person under they can uh, under investigation they can talk all they want it's just that their lawyers tell them not to i hope the press doesn't fall for that line either all right six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero just a few things on my mind we'll be right back Welcome back to the show, 602-508-0960. We're going to have um, education and school choice expert Jason Bedrick on a little later in the show. He uh, used to work here in Phoenix. He's now at the Heritage Foundation. Um, and the reason I, I wanted to have him on, you know, one of the things of over which there is no accountability, nor will there be, I don't think, uh, is what we did uh, to our children in um, in the in the in the in the closing down of our schools and in the ardency with which we did it, and what we did in doing that was not only harm the thing that a lot of people don't talk about mental health, but we harmed their educational attainment as well. We harmed their 
ability to succeed. Um, the folks over at Reason remind us that reading and math scores declined during COVID, reversing two decades of improvement. The data indicate that children who entered the 2021 school year with, with unprecedented education gaps were all exacerbated by the shutdowns from 2020 to 2022. Um, reading and math scores declined by five and seven percentage points. That is a two-decade reversal of improvement in both areas. And the drop was especially steep among students who already faced academic difficulties, as you can imagine. In, in other words, the most vulnerable. Um, the way to get out of this, the ways to get out of this are going to be difficult. The means... Um, are going to be difficult, but one of them, one of them is going to have to be innovation in education. The cat, the, you know, any of you who have had children in schools who have had to, you know, catch up or have had to um, try and catch up to their peer levels of achievement know how difficult it is, and it takes some degree of extra work and some degree of innovation. It is not the magic bullet. But one of those ways is through more school choice. And one of the things that uh, this uh, the previous governor, Doug Ducey, and the previous legislature did was expand school choice in this state to an unprecedented level, opening it up to everyone, not just people below a certain income threshold, but opening it up to everyone. And as we were discussing, he expanded and uh, school choice and the desire for it was something like a 400 percent increase in, in, in enrollment in school choice programs, in the accessing of uh, what we call ESAs or empowerment scholarships, uh, empowerment scholarship accounts. So it comes as some as it comes with some pain and it comes as a bit of a head scratcher that the newly sworn in governor, Katie Hobbs, wants to reverse all that. Her budget is to zero out the empowerment scholarship accounts, the ability for parents to use a portion of their child's state education funds to pay for everything from private school tuition to tutoring to textbooks to online courses, uh, homeschooling, homeschooling curricula, special needs therapy, and other expenses, including, did I mention, yes, tuition, at uh, at uh, private or parochial schools, you would think you would think, given all the damage the left did to our children throughout, that they would maybe just want to leave this one alone. But anyway, the guest I'm going to have, Jason Bedrick, he is um, he is an expert on this. He has a piece in the Wall Street Journal today on it, and and we'll get to that. But um, but 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 it's it's. It's, to me, really, really interesting that when things are as bad as they could possibly be, you have Democrats that want to make them worse in an effort to pay off certain constituencies, where certain constituencies matter more than sound public policy and people voting with their feet. You don't get a ton of public policy feedback. You don't get a ton of, uh, shall we say... um, uh, data. You don't get a ton of empirical data about newly enacted legislation very often. But here we did. 
when we threw open school choice, we did. We got immediate data. A morning consult tracking poll found 70% of Arizonans and nearly 80% of parents with school-aged children support the program, and enrollment surged from 10,000 to 45,000 in only two years. Think about that. Think about that. You got immediately feedback, immediate data, immediate empirical data on not only a popularity of the program, but hopefully also time will tell the success of the program. I say time will tell because, as you've often heard me say, school choice is not the magic bullet. Some private schools, uh, some parochial schools are as bad as some of the worst public schools, and some public schools are better than a lot of private schools. So, you know, with the choice will come, you know, responsibility. The choice has to be meaningful. It's not just that you can try and take your ESA to an expensive or tonier school. It may not be better and it may not be the better fit for your child, but you can do other things with it. And whether it be homeschooling, whether it be private tutoring, these are the kinds of things that's, that are going to be required for us to catch up. And we have a lot of catching up to do because we were getting our butts kicked before COVID. You know, when the folks at Reason or anyone from the nation's report card tells you that we saw a decline for the first time in two decades, it's true. It's true. But what we were doing for the past two decades was not incline after incline. We were mostly staying flat with little incremental increases here and there. If you look at the trend line of achievement in things like math and reading on the nation's report card, the National Assessment of Educational Progress over the last two decades, the lines really are very nearly flat with little upward bumps here and there, very incremental bumps. What we had not done is receded. What we had not done is declined. What we had not done is reversed. That steady, steady, steady march. Now we have. Now we have. And it's going to take a lot to dig out. Think about how much it took to keep us at pace. Think about how much money it took to keep that line just flat with little incremental bumps. About $800 billion a year. That's what it took to keep us flat. Think about what it's going to take now as a nation, $800 billion a year. Think about what it's going to take now to reverse declines, to get us back to flat with little incremental bumps. It's going to take a lot of work. And by the way, the notion that school choice is going to cost, that these ESA programs in Arizona is going to cost us more money is a myth as well. It will be a net savings when you consider that the state, that the public schools will still get to retain certain portions regardless of where the students take their money, their $7,000 stipends. Jason Bedrick will do all of that with us. Uh, top of the next hour. So stay tuned for that as well. All right. I am Seth Liebson, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski joins us. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates and the host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. You can reach him um, through his great website, uh, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. And, uh, John, um, first of all, happy Tuesday. I wanted to talk to you about something we were talking about yesterday that's right up your alley. Mm -hmm. 
about when people move jobs or leave their jobs for other ones. We were getting into that a little bit yesterday. But before I do, can you shed a little light on the market today being framed as somewhat as a result of banks profits right. denting uh, or going down, I guess. Uh, why, why are bank profits going downward? Well, it's interesting. We had a couple of big banks report today, Goldman Sachs, and we had Morgan Stanley who reported today. Um, and it's interesting. You have to go back a little bit in history here. When we had the great financial crisis back in 2007 and eight. Yeah. Um, this is when some of the major big brokerage companies had some real financial challenges. And remember Lehman Brothers, yep. who went bankrupt Gone. at the time. Yeah. And there was the fear that there would have been many others that would have also gone under if things didn't change in some of the uh, the way some of these companies were set up. Goldman Sachs announced that they will become a bank back in September of 2008. Right. They were a financial company, right. not a bank. That's right. Uh, but because they became a bank, they actually had the opportunity to fall under the FDIC. Uh-huh. And now the Federal Reserve and the FDIC would be able to back them allowing them to survive. I don't know why. There was always that discussion of why Lehman was the one. Too big to fail and you know, all yeah, that Yeah, but stuff. why Lehman was the one that they let fail oh, yeah, so that, right, right. that the others would be able to survive, yeah. supposedly. Um, but uh, so Goldman Sachs became uh, a bank back then. And now today, though, moving forward, they're still really more um, you know, a brokerage firm or a financial firm than they are a bank per se. Uh, and, you know, the challenge that they're faced with today as the economy slows down, Goldman Sachs is one of the biggest players when it comes to bringing companies public. Mm-hmm. And that is a way that they generate a lot of revenue and okay. a lot of income. Yeah. And uh, that market has really dried up in the last year or so because of interest rates rising, because of the economy issues, the inflationary pressures. So uh, they lost a lot of income for that. And because of that, it really affected what they had expected to be earning in this quarter. And uh, their stock price uh, got suffered for today because of the miss on their um, reporting. And that would explain that drag. Yeah. Okay. But Morgan Stanley, on the other side of it, they came out of this looking pretty good. Their their revenues and their income uh, and projections, everything that they had done, uh, they beat on, on their numbers. And their stock was up almost 6%, whereas Goldman Sachs stock was down about 6% today. So it's interesting, interesting. to see two sides of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, this is right up your alley. And, and it was something that I wanted to call back from our discussion yesterday about people leaving jobs, leaving the workforce or, or training transferring jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do with your 401k? Well, and that's that's a great question, Seth. You know, um, oftentimes people may hold a number of jobs throughout their working career. And there are um, sometimes where you've got all of these 401ks that you've participated in over the years, yeah. and they're they're kind of all over the place, right? You've got one from a job you worked 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, they're attached to one. your employment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. Um, but you, you have a couple of options usually when you are either let go from your job or if you are deciding you're going to retire or move to another job um, where you can take that money with you. You can roll that money over to an IRA and take a little bit more control over it because in a 401k, you're somewhat limited to only what that 401k plan offers as far as the investment choices that you have. And in most cases, individuals are not getting financial advice on that money in a 401k. They have to make all the financial right. decisions themselves right. unless they're going to 
you know, the plan offers that. And many, many plans don't offer that option to get financial advice. Mm-hmm. So it is most often the case when, you know, it makes sense for someone to roll that money over to an IRA, be able to take uh, custody of it and be able to have a, a much more broader range of uh, investment opportunities to invest in uh, to reach your financial goals that way. And if you're working with a financial professional, this is, again, uh, someone who can guide you uh, through that process to make sure that you don't have a a misstep and have maybe a tax liability because of the rollover. Perfect. Something you specialize in. Yes, something we do for clients all the time. Yeah, good, good. And even people who are still working, depending on your age, you may have an opportunity to roll some of that money out of the 401k in a tax-efficient way without being taxed on it. Um, to an individual retirement account to be able to now, again, as I mentioned, have a much broader opportunity of investments to uh, you know, utilize to reach your financial goals. John, yes. crystal clear. Thank you, sir. All right. Again, uh, you can reach me by my website, grandcanyonplanning.com. You can request an appointment at Securities and Advisory Services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Well done, sir. Thank you, Seth. You got it. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Mike's in Maricopa. Hi, Mike. There we go. Good afternoon, Seth. How are you, hey, sir? First, I am excellent. How are you today? Doing okay. Thank you. Had a good workout good. this morning. Well, I got some kudos for Salem Broadcasting. Oh, good. I was tuned in to the beginning of your broadcast. I was listening to Sebastian Gorka, and the top of the hour, you guys actually announced the trial of Garcia Luna starting in New York. On He's the old the uh, security head in Mexico, right, for Jose Calderon, who was on the, on the, on the, uh, on the, what do you call it? He was on the take with the cartels, right? Bingo. Yeah. 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 They're doing, doing jury selection right now. Yeah. This is a hell of a story. So this guy's the top, I think he was the top, uh, internal security official in Mexico, and Correct. turns out he was taking payoffs from uh, the cartels, like in the millions of dollars worth, or pesos, yep. millions of dollars yep. of bribes from the cartels, and we got him. And yeah, that came out in El Chapo's trial. Right. Uh, I think it was El Mayo Zambada's son uh, okay. said something of about that. Zambalito had, had mentioned something along those lines. Uh, one other that, thing, that, That's noticed- good news that we got him. Bad news that that kind of thing can happen. But did you see the story in California? The cartels are active. There, six people were killed. Um, awful. So, did you see that story? Just up. awful. I was just going to talk oh, okay. about that okay. very thing. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, at first they had said that it was a cartel hit, and that was like at 4.30 this morning. Then 5 o'clock they said it was gang-related, but gangs and the cartels are usually associated. It was in a little small city called Goshen. And uh, it was kind of at the boundary between Southern California and Central California. I think Southern California is kind of controlled by the Mexican mafia that controls the Serrano Street Gang. And then as you get up towards there by Fresno, Bakersfield, then it switches to Central. And it's kind of uh, run by another gang or that area. And then there's also a third. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Not funny, but it's it's uh, it's similar to the way they mark off their territories in places like Mexico. They they you know, it's the same concept in California. 
and uh, only one note place that I've seen is this is a was a grow operation. So uh, there's one speculation that uh, because there was a I had I'd heard DEA, but then I've also heard just the sheriffs, but they had gone there and seized marijuana, methamphetamines, and guns. And uh, it's this was another that, myth of legalization that it would get rid of the cartelization of marijuana. Uh, what it did is it moved the cartels out of Mexico into places like California. Uh, and what the, uh, as Don Winslow put it, no no conservative he, but as Don Lin- Winslow put it, he said, and because the cartels are very, uh, are very flexible, we have talked about this, you and I before have, Mike, um, they moved into different operations. No longer did you need to get Mex- uh, marijuana from Mexico into uh, America, into the United States. So the cartels in Mexico moved to opioids and fentanyl, and the cartels took over the operations in California, uh, hiding in plain sight, as they call it, as the sheriffs like to call it. They can hide the illegal grows amongst the legal grows. And if people doubt me, I mean, just do Google searches or whatever on this kind of thing. Cart- Here's a headline. Cartels are turning our na- national forests into a war zone. Um, the cartels uh, have moved into California, have expanded throughout California and are raking in billions of dollars. Uh, it did not get rid of the cartelization, the legalization of marijuana there. It increased it. Anyway, I, I threw out a, a, a fire hose there with, with, with just your little turn of the faucet. I apologize. No, 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 that, that's quite all right. And there, that's a, there's another thing, and we've, we've discussed this stuff uh, for a while, and a lot of times we hear about hubs like Phoenix, Atlanta, Chicago, New York being big hubs. But you see the cartels, uh, or, well, back up, the big police departments like the New York Police Department, Houston Police Department, they have a lot of money, and so they can hire some of their police officers, and they're not in cars cruising around and doing things. They're sitting at a computer, and they're searching and searching and collecting intel. And so then, therefore, a lot of information could be gleaned where drug deals are going down and certain things are. So the cartels prefer small little cities. They wouldn't set up, say, in Phoenix. They would choose something maybe like an Apache Junction or some periphery like Winslow or Wilcox or something like that as to where there's not a whole bunch of activity uh, to conduct their operations. They may have hubs as to where they'll bring product or exchange product in uh, big crossroads like Phoenix or Houston or Chicago, but they don't generally conduct a lot of their operations in those big cities because of the very nature that the big cities have big police departments. And, uh, or used to. Other... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, I mean, Phoenix is a particular problem. I mean, it is a real problem here. Yeah. They're what? 800 officers? Yeah. Now. Eight to a thousand probably. And that's probably at a budgeted level. I mean, we probably need 1500 more to deal with the crime that's expanded in the city anyway, you know. And with the expansion of the residents. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the growth, the tremendous too. growth. Absolutely right. It's a good yeah. point. Yeah. And the, and the areas going out. Uh, one other thing, we can bounce some of these other stuff, but there's another good thing that's happened. Uh, the leader of the Colombian clan del Golfo, he had been arrested, and he, within here in the last uh, week or so, he's pled guilty mm-hmm. here in the United States for drugs and stuff. So it, it appears that 
well, they call it the kingpin strategy as to where they go after people like El Mayo Zambada or or El Chapo Guzman or yeah, it's easy. It's it's particularly area. easier for the governments to go after the leaders uh, at the high levels. You know, the president type of. I believe I I could be wrong, but I believe Labrador. That's the president of Mexico, right? Labrador. Um, o- Obrador. Uh, Obrador. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Monlo. Monlo. That's what got me co- confused. Sorry. Mon- yeah. Yeah. yeah Monlo. Am- Amlo. Amlo. I'm still getting it wrong. Amlo. Okay. Anyway, he has been supportive, as I understand it. He has been highly supportive of this, these kinds of efforts, which is obviously different from previous administrations in Mexico. So hopefully, you know, if we can take off the head, the rest of the body will die uh, over time. That's the hope, I guess. Well, so- sometimes, and I know, I think we touched on that last week of about, you know, what happens and how these splintering of these groups, because now you have the El Rojos and the Taliban. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like dividing cells. Okay. Oh, I got to hit the break. My bad. I'm sorry. Thank you, Mike. God bless you, Seth. I'll be right back. Thank you. As I go to break, let me put in a word for our friends and sponsors at the Midas Gold Group. Good time of year to start Getting your cash reserves and investments in a secure order. Midas Gold Group, it's the only precious metals dealer I use, the only one aforementioned Sebastian Gorka uses, and thousands of you already know him. Veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Gold holds its value when economies fail. And with stocks and bonds having performed as they did last year, gold did hold its value. Check out the Midas Gold Group at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I don't know how many of you um, who work in uh, large institutions uh, have had to suffer through uh, DEI training, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion training. A lot of HR departments do it and uh, mandate that you do it. Um, this story, you could have blown me over with a feather seeing it in the New York Times. Um, they're questioning whether the DEI trainings, diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings, are actually effective. Isn't that interesting? Do you know how much money – this is a huge industry. It's a $3.4 billion industry, a little more, Three, probably probably much closer to $4, $4 billion a year industry now because that's using uh, numbers from two years ago before before this became such, such the thing that it is now. Uh, as the New York Times writes, DEI trainings are designed to help organizations become more welcoming to members of traditionally marginalized groups. Advocates advocates make bold promises. Diversity workshops can foster better integration relations, improve the retention of minority employees, close recruitment gaps, and so on. Continuing to read from the New York Times. The only problem? There's little evidence that any of these initiatives work. And the specific type of diversity training that is currently in vogue, mandatory trainings that blame dominant groups for DEI problems, that is to say whites and males, may well have a net negative effect on the outcomes managers claim to care about. Um, Again, two things surprising that a mainstream journal would write this, but that that mainstream journal would be the New York Times. 
for any of you that have had to suffer through it or who have to on a routine or continuing basis, you may want to print this out and give it to the HR manager. I mean, I don't know how bold you want to be about this, but you may want to even just anonymously slip it under the door and start raising some questions about some of this. The lack of evidence is disappointing, wrote one professor from Princeton in the annual review of psychology analyzing whether the DIE trainings have been successful. Um, It's expensive and not very effective, writes another professor. Um, If diversity trainings, according to the New York Times, have no impact whatsoever, that would mean that perhaps billions of dollars are being wasted annually in the United States on these efforts. Take the $4 bucks that's being spent and put it back into people's salaries or give them bonuses or give them raises and quit pitting them against one another based on race and gender that they can't do anything about in the first place. And that creates more resentment in the first place and has no net effect on any of the outcomes that these things are supposed to do. This was a get rich scheme for professors and critical race theorists who probably couldn't make it at any of these companies in the first place or get tenure. I'm Seth Liebson. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 